At Carvana, we're in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. Carvana gives you control by letting you customize your down and monthly payments. You can browse tens of thousands of cars online to find one within your budget, and you won't get surprised with any bogus fees. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for a vehicle. Carvana, we'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. I don't blame Americans for calling football soccer. I finally understand it now. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Thierry Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Wow. Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast, episode number 51, with Alexander Moneypenny and the Harry Holloway. <laughs> Bradley Adams. I like that one. I think it's been my favourite one so far. You said that every episode, Brad. I really appreciate it, though. It's a confidence boost. It's a confidence boost for you, my friend. Thanks, fan. man. Yeah, just get, yeah, getting into the pod. Come on, Alex. You can do it. I believe in you. Participation medal <laughs> Come time. Come on. Oh, mate. Yes, mate. Please, no. Don't get me started. Um, Partition, participation medal ethos. Yeah, let's uh, let's not go there. Let's skip. Good morning. Past it. How's your how's your blood pressure? Good morning, my friend. Um, uh, I, I I slightly returned back to normal after I watched two movies last night uh, to try and calm down from the <laughs> horror show that we that that we were. Put How do you come down from that? Do you watch what Scarface and like? Don't what know. did I watch? I watched a really really terrible movie with Jason Statham. Okay. Uh, because. Uh, and I think that's yeah, most of them, isn't it? What it was called? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And then I, I, st- I think I started watching another one, and I just got bored. Like halfway through, I turned it off, and I just watched some fucking YouTube videos. Yeah, it was um, it was a stressful evening. I was <laughs> definitely weirdly, I was sat, I was sat at my desk because uh, I couldn't use my TV, so I had to watch it on um, some dodgy stream. Um, <laughs> and I felt like I was at work. It really felt like work. It felt oh, like God. a lot of. Uh, it felt like a struggle to get through. It um, was. Yeah, I, it's an interesting game to, to. Well, okay, Arsenal three, Benfica two, um, at our home stadium in uh, in Greece, Greece. in the Piarcos. <laughs> um, Aubameyang scores a late winner to send us through to the round oh, of sixteen in the Europa League. <sighs> yeah, a, a really strange, strange game to analyze because, like. It's one of those games where if if one thing doesn't happen, I mean, obviously, you know, football is all about fine margins, of course it is. But if, for example, if Bakaya Saka doesn't check back onto his left and put in that cross, if Aubameyang is an inch further forward, the whole narrative of this season changes. Yeah, like, this was we a are big, at that big stage, game. And I think that's indicative as well of like, of course, it's a big game, but I think the fact that the narr- the, the lines and the 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 sort of the the margins are so thin indicates to me that we're in a sticky situation. Like a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and it's yeah. the same with just football in general. In that, like you're looking at, you know, we've harped on about it. You know, for the, I've I mean I've harped on about it before, but Champions League final two thousand and six, the finest of margins, and one wrong decision completely turns the tide of history 
and the narratives that are formed. And you're looking at, and you're looking at, you know, just from an Arsenal perspective, you're looking at because of that, other players moving to other clubs to try and win those trophies. Um, as much as uh, Thierry Henry said that he left because of the um, kind of, un, I think I can't remember how he worded it, but he was like unsure whether Wenger was staying on and that's why he left for Barcelona. But there's no doubt in my mind that he left to try and win the Champions League. Um, as well as probably a lot of players, you know. Um, and you think of like that one moment in history could change completely the tide and the course of where we are now. And it's the same with Liverpool in that they were very lucky that, well, I'm, I'm also it's nothing to do with luck because they were a very, very good team, but like that everyone fell off the pace last season because the season before they ran themselves into the ground and were, were one, one point off of winning the title that would have won them the title in in something like 24 of the last 25 years. It was literally that, it was literally the the centurion season, the season before that wouldn't have won them the league. And it's just mental. Like, and you think of Chelsea, uh, John Terry slipping and missing the penalty against United in the Champions League final. Do they then go and win it a few years later um, against Bayern Munich? Drogba scoring a header in, was it like the last minute? I remember watching that game with a Chelsea mate of mine. Like, that's the thing with sport. Like, everything is so finite and so close that, of course, you know, and everyone who, and I still am a massive, um, and we can talk about this later, I still have a lot of criticisms about the decision to bring on Willian. But the the, the assist, and obviously getting us back into the game, I'm still of the opinion that Kiarantini created that goal by himself. But, you know, everything rests. And, and say, for example, he brings Willian on, Kiarantini scores that goal, but there is then no third goal. Everyone, everyone goes after Arteta, saying, "Why didn't he bring on somebody with with more intensity, fresher legs?" Which I, I still, even though we won the game, hold criticisms of that we'll speak about later. But it's everything in 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 life, especially, but in sport, is so there's like there's such fine margins yeah. between pure no, unadulterated yeah. success and moving forward and regressing five or ten years. Exactly. Which is why it makes it a difficult game to assess because it's like, you know, any kind of statement of kind of like, oh, you know, and Arsenal have done well or they haven't done well, whatever it is, you know, it feels so kind of arbitrary because it's such thin margins and things that, you know, on an, as you say, this could be a completely different podcast. This could be a very, very uh, down podcast discussing Arteta's future, discussing, you know, the, the futures of a lot of the players at the club and, you know, potentially that, that will, that will factor into our conversation as well. But I just do think it's it, it, it's notable that that this had such a big amount riding on it. Um, so we're through. Uh, we're through to the round of sixteen. Um, <sighs> there was some. I saw some some Leicester fans um, saying that, that they they're happy to be going out because uh, they can focus on the league. And I'm sure that would have been the the narrative um, from some Arsenal fans to kind of protect ourselves. Um, it felt. But like I think a... even then, there's nothing that we can concentrate on in the league because what are we going to yeah, concentrate yeah, yeah. on? Getting eighth. This is what exactly, I mean by like exactly. the conversation that we had about like focusing on European football or just taking a year out of European football, focusing on the league. This isn't the season. The league's gone for us. The league's done for us. We're not going to qualify probably for any form of Europe through the league now. Every egg has got to be in the Europa League basket from now on. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I just also just want to share a tweet from someone who says, 
I don't blame Americans for calling football soccer. I finally understand it now. <laughs> yeah, that was class. It's a great, great tweet. Oh, on t- another tweet about Saka. I just wanted... Um, he tweeted out on the 16th of December, you deserve more Arsenal fans with a heartbreak emoji. I can't remember after what defeat it was. But since that tweet, One he's got them. six goals and eight assists in 14 games. He's been man of the match five times, won two player of the month awards for Arsenal and pretty much single-handedly dragged us through the Europa League round of 32. That's from Read the Game. But um, Christ, <laughs> what a player. He's ludicrous. He's ludicrous. He's he's absolutely ludicrous. And, you know, to have a 19-year-old is our, easily our best player, you know, on the we night. We should be as building well the team of... around him, genuinely, seriously. Like, from this summer forward, we should build everything we do around how good he is. Like, Well, well the unreal. concern is, if we do that, you know, if, if, if Saka gets, if Saka continues at this level, he will not be at Arsenal for very much longer. Let me tell you that. Oh like, yeah, he'll go to I'm, City I'm, or he'll go to Barca. But to be fair, I don't think Barca are going to have the finances because he's he's tied down to a pretty decent contract. I think towards like 2024, 2025. It's going to take like 80 million to get him out of Arsenal, minimum, if not more. Yeah, but let's say in two years time when, you know, or, or maybe even 18 months time when, when he's got two two years and, or two and a bit years or he's coming up to his 18 months or whatever it is, if he hasn't signed an extension. All depends on how we handle the situation, yeah. Because we we it, cannot afford to loot to, to make no profit on Saka if, no, if, if he course. goes, and if we're still in the same position as a club, I think if we've moved up to that next level, if say for example we qualify for the Champions League, even next season, I think you know, perhaps Saka will stay for a couple more years, and if we're yeah. looking like we're moving forward, that's the most important thing. I think Saka loves the club. If it feels like we're moving forward, great. And I think actually nights like last night maybe the decider in in those kind of decisions much further of down course, the line kind of, of weirdly course, yeah. but um well because if you're looking yeah. at who's left in the competition like it is depending on who we draw i'd feel the only team i would give a pretty much a guarantee that we would go out against currently is united i think united over two legs would send us out but other than that i think that we would have a chance against against any other team any other team you know you're you're looking at teams like uh, and this is no disrespect to them because, you know, you're seeing Mulder knock out Hoffenheim. But Mulder, Granada, um, Slavia Prague, who knocked out Leicester. You, if Leicester are at full force without the injuries that they currently have, you know, Madison was out last night and couldn't play for them. Is the game different? Probably. So it's... there is There is a conceivable future where we could get to this final and say meet a United in the final, and in a one-off game, you anything can happen in football. Anything. And we could easily win a one-off game against United. We did it at Old Trafford this season already. So we've just got to hope for a good draw moving forward. And oh, if, if, if we even got anywhere near to this final, I, I would fucking die. <laughs> My nerves by the end of it would just be yeah. shot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's interesting as well. Kind of, you know, people talking about well, how far we've fallen that we're worried about the round of thirty-two in the Europa League. But it's it's where we are, guys. Like, you know, and and ultimately, if you if you care about your club, you care about your club, and that's that's the 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 next stage for us is to get through a Europa League. You know, be consistently challenging in the finals of those things before we move up to the Champions League. Of like, course, that's we've of we've course. got to be doing that. But it's also the same as like if you met Bayern Munich in the round of 16 in the Champions League, you'd be shitting yourself. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. If you're looking at like the opposition that people came up against, you're talking about Salzburg, Molde, Granada, Maccabee, Tel Aviv, uh, Antwerp, Slavia, Prague, Olympiakos, even though Olympiakos knocked us out last year. All of those teams, young boys, you probably would have preferred to face those teams over, say, um, Benfica. Benfica, were, uh, like, you know, have got some good aged, but still good experienced mm-hmm. players. Otamendi, mm. uh, Vertonghen, they're not a shit team. No. Not by any stretch. Not by any stretch. Okay, so onto the game then. Um, was there anything on the lineup that kind of took your eye? It was exactly the same lineup as last last time out against Benfica. Um, I understand. I, I I can at least make a case for every selection. Was there anything for you that stood out? Bellerin. The only one I don't think you could probably make a case for is Bellerin. Now, I genuinely like. I, he's such a like a polarizing figure because there is such a almost like a deep line love within the club for him. And I like as a player, you know, he's grown up here. I have a lot of I think he's lasted a lot longer than he would have if there wasn't this affiliation. And it's now at a point and I tweeted this out in jest, but that if he starts another game for Arsenal, Mikel should be held for crimes against humanity. Because it's just not, it's not getting us anywhere. And in games where you need somebody to like push and fight and, and, you know, I I would, I don't think Bellerin is trying to or thinks he has anything to prove anymore. I think he's settled and Cedric hasn't, hasn't done that. Cedric is pushing to get back into the Portuguese national team and whether he makes mistakes occasionally you know, like the one against Villa with the poor pass or or whatever, I still think he would offer us more right now. Uh, and I just, and he, I, obviously, you know, I, I don't think he was the worst performer last night. I think that wholly goes to Danny Ceballos for a multitude of reasons, not just the error. But um, I just, I don't understand it anymore. And it that I think that is the thing that's really starting to frustrate me as a fan is that, I know nothing like in in comparison to people like Mikel Arteta about the tactical decisions within football and the minute things. But genuinely, after watching him start the last, what, 15 games, I have not been able to spot anything that really benefits us. There's, there's a conversation to be had potentially around protecting him as an asset. And playing him and, you know, not allowing him to go kind of out of favour because that loses us 10, 15 mil. But listen, mate, I, I agree with you on a football perspective. I think, you know, the... Then play him in the, the league. Yeah, yeah. The and league doesn't matter in, in, anymore because, like, we're, we're probably going to get eighth. Yeah, don't play him against Benfica when we need we need to... This is, this is the thing that we need to be, like, pushing for and winning. Play the... Play, like... This is like best 11 on the team sheet every game. I don't care. And Hector Bellerin is not in that 11. I, I think the Bellerin slander has has uh, become very fashionable and I do understand it. And like, it's not to say fashionable and, you know, and therefore wrong. I think, you know, it's it's become, it's a, it's a conversation that's being had by a lot of Arsenal fans right now and an important conversation, a conversation to be had. Um, I I agree with you. I think there's 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 options. You know, um, I think interestingly, Artes has spoken in the past about Callum Chambers. I wonder whether Callum Chambers could come in and do a job, especially with Tierney returning and you know and 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 
if we're going to find some balance in the in the side, maybe a, a fullback that sits a bit further back and a fullback that that marauds like Tierney isn't a, isn't a bad shout. I don't know, um, but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, my only other thing would be Pepe. Now I know this kind of comes into a conversation around Willian and um, uh, substitutions, which maybe we should get into later. But the thing with it is, it's interesting because it is a bit <laughs> prepare yourself. It, it, it is interesting, and by the way, I have a slightly controversial take on this. Um, the, there is fine. a slight... Fine, thank you. There is a slight catch with it in that, like, if we put out a team sheet with Pepe, maybe they sit five yards further back and there isn't the space in behind. But the problem is, is they sit with a massive high line, which they did in the first in the first game as well. They sit with a massive high line, and then we look at our three diminutive creative midfielders, and we go, surely there's space for a runner in behind. But the problem is, you go, well, okay, well then, you know, play Pepe. They yeah, sit five yards doesn't know how back. To sit on so- like Abamyang doesn't know how to sit on side. <laughs> well, that's true, but but also, you know, in terms of you know, they sit five five yards further back. I get what you mean. And, no, I do. I do and, get what you mean. And then, and then, and then we go. Why? Why are we playing Pepe? We need a creative midfielder. So, I, 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 I do understand when people, you know, look at a game, but I think it's a game state thing. And actually, let's have the Willian conversation now because it's it's natural to come out of this. I think in the game state where we were, they dropped their high line at that point, and they were sitting much further back. The 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 spaces the spaces, and Arteta said it in his post match as well, and I, and I think it's really 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 true. The spaces weren't there for a Pepe, for a, for a Martinelli to run into, and they're they're straight line players. They're players who play in behind, who try and get in in behind and, and get something happening. Willian is better. I'm sorry, he is better in tight spaces. He's not progressive. He's not a good player. No, 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 I'm not no, saying no, that. I, no, but in terms of in the tight spaces, Willian and you know, not saying oh that assist happened, so therefore told you so. But the assist happened My, again. Because... I, I text, yeah, but I also I texted you saying that like it's n- Willian did not set the world on fire with that assist. Kieran Tierney made that. It's goal a simple pass. By, yeah, it it is like like under 15s level straight line passing. Yeah. Like it's it's a very easy pass to make. So I don't think yeah. the I think if you're using this assist as an as uh, to be like Arteta is a genius and Willian, oh my god, what a revelation last night! You yeah, are yeah, a yeah, moron. Yeah. But yeah, some kind of tactical revolution. I agree with you. No, no, luck. no. I do agree. I do agree with you in that kind of type. But here's the thing: I don't agree with. I don't agree with the full assessment being that they then decided to sit in a low block because they did still attack us, even at two-two after the teeny goal. There were still moments where they were marauding down the pitch and trying to get another goal to settle the game. And in those moments having a second runner might have been useful. And whilst we were very, very, very lucky last night, other than the party decision, every single one of the substitutions made us look worse. At one point, it looked like we were sitting with Saka at right wing back and Willian at left wing back and taking so long to progress through the ranks that genuinely, I was so shocked when we scored that goal because we we didn't deserve it. In those last 10 minutes, we were not playing well. We were very, we were scraping through. And this is why, you know, you're seeing things like Saka and Aubameyang scraping us through. It, it is the narrative because we did scrape through in that last 10 minutes. And everything that we lacked last night was on the bench. Dynamism, athleticism, energy pace 
there were a few opportunities where we were we'd they'd broken we would pen back we'd got the ball but Aubameyang's been on the pitch for 75 80 minutes so is fatigued having somebody come on like a Martinelli even if you keep Willian on that side I wasn't I wasn't calling for the only person that I would call for to come on instead of Willian is Pepe because I think that if you're talking about who you're bringing off in that kind of game state once that point has hit you're probably looking to bring off a Bamiang because tired legs if we're still looking to kind of punish that high line or or punish the the lack of pace in that back four or in that back five of theirs you know Otamendi and Vertonghen are not quick players I'd probably be saying bring off a Bamiang for Martinelli rightly you know or wrongly because a Bamiang did score the final goal I just think that we were so, so, so lucky last night. And that and this is why it's about fine margins, because I think Arteta has scraped not being criticised today, purely because an absolute gem of a wonder kid and a very, very, very good striker have pulled us through with final touches of class yeah. in the last 10 minutes. But also, I, th- I think there's a there's a there's a kind of misconception in kind of football punditry or football analysis in that people kind of go, okay, well, th- it worked out this way, and therefore the decision was correct at the time. Like they, or that you know, if, for example, like not taking off a Bamiang was the correct decision at that point. For me, it probably probably was the correct decision to keep him on. I I wasn't calling for Bamiang to come off. But for example, someone like Pepe starting against their, you know, hopefully against their high line, maybe that might have worked. You know, bringing on Willian just because he got that assist. Okay, there's an argument you can look at it both sides, but not bringing on Martinelli, for example. Okay, we we went through, so therefore what's the problem? At that point in the game, I know I made the point about spaces in behind, but regardless, we needed the energy. And actually, I think you're right in that, you know, there, there was a bit of space to exploit and... and at that point, you know, you take off an Erdegaard, who I thought, you know, had had moments, but again, wasn't kind of massively influencing the game, nor, nor Smith-Rowe. I think they kind of cancelled each other out a little bit. And I think sometimes there's this, this yeah, as I say, like this misconception that, okay, well, if you make a decision and it pays off, then therefore it's the correct decision in, in the moment. And I completely understand that argument, but with the, with the, with the information that you had at the 75th minute, was that the correct decision? Maybe not. Do you know what I mean? As you know, if you know, if you could go, oh, you're going to bring this guy on and he's going to get an assist, then yeah, of course, it's the great decision. But it's it's difficult, and it, again, it, and we come back to it, and it's 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 fine margins. It's if if we if we're sat here, we're out, and we went out on away goals in neutral venues, which would be the most arsehole thing ever. Well, that that did happen. That did that happened in the Milan game. Yeah, they drew both and legs, he, and Milan went through on away goals. So it's it's yeah. just fucking mental. Madness. And, you know, and he brought on Willian and, you know, we didn't take off, you know, whoever, whatever, you know, whatever decisions you, you like or dislike, you know, and he didn't bring on party early enough. We sat here stewing over those decisions and it's not to kind of take away all analysis and just go, well, there's no point analysing anything because, you know, we're on a linear timeline, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not the point. The point is, is, is we can't go overboard or underboard on these decisions they were made and we all we can discuss is you know they're they're, they're were they the right they're, ones but did they work well their wrong decisions well, can work wrong but like, i think their rationale and did they work yeah yeah, yeah. yeah as in like yeah. wrong decisions can work all the time you know like it's a wrong it, i personally think that and i've seen um 
clubs do it before, like uh, United when they had Fellaini and they were struggling, like down like we are now, sometimes we'll put Fellaini up front. And I'm going, that is the wrong decision football-wise because Fellaini is like a like a central midfielder who if he gets an opportunity at his feet is probably not going to be able to finish it. But then every now and again, he'd score a last-minute header and win them the match. So wrong footballing decisions can still kind of bear fruit. Yeah, but absolutely. But that still makes them kind of the wrong tactical decision for the game state at the time. Because it all depends on how the opposition counter those decisions. Because just as if we'd have brought Pepe on and we'd have brought Martinelli on, Benfica might have just gone, Jesus, that's a lot of pace back in the team. We're going to sit literally on the 16-yard box and we're not going to move. Exactly. And we and, and the spaces might not have been there for the goal, whatever. Who yep. knows? All of these things. Um. Okay, so let's sort of get into the game itself then. Um. I can't think of much else on the on the lineup. I mean, well, yeah, we'll get into it. Um, so we started out, I think you could sort of tell it was a bit of a nervy, nervy European night. I texted you saying, mm. oh, oh, bad feeling. <laughs> this all feels a bit iconic. Well, do you know what it was, though? It all felt a bit iconic. Like, it all felt a little bit like we're going to see these images of, like, what Arteta's wearing and, like, the players, like, you know, that goal and the kit that Leno's wearing, you know, you're, we're going to see those for years on end in the same way you see like the... That the, Odegaard the, celebration in the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, in, like, for example, like you look back and you think of like, you know, the the kit, the, the red kit with the, um, uh, in the, in the, in the season we lost the Carling Cup final or like the season we lost the Champions League final, you know, you know exactly what we're wearing, you know, who's playing, you know, you, you just see it. I have a really visual memory. And it kind of felt a bit iconic to me. I was like, oh God. Um, so it's actually that. But yeah, it, you know, we went on. Benfica were losing the ball a lot. I think the first thing that was kind of slowing us down and moot point, fucking move on. But like, I just look at the kind of triumvirates that were being created. The kind of Xhaka plays the ball back to David Luiz, plays the ball out to Bellerin, plays the ball back to David. And you're just looking at these guys. And, you know, there's a conversation in terms of is there a plant growing out of my wall? What the fuck? Fuck's sake, Alex. <laughs> it's not, it's just the angle. I th- sorry, I thought there was a plant growing out of my white wall. That is um, hilarious. <laughs> uh, what was the question? Yes. And it's it's a really obvious and simple thing to say, but I think it did really affect us in this in this game specifically of the slow pace of the ball, the slow pace pace of the build-up. We lost time, and we do it in so many games. We end up chasing games with, like, 10 minutes to spare, and we're not very good at it. I think we're, like, you know, second worst in the Premier League or something for goals scored for in the last For scoring goals minutes. in the last 15 minutes, yeah. Because we spend half our fucking time... Fulham are the only team that are worse than us. We spend half our time... And it's not even... I'm not asking, you know, for the world to change and, you know, Xhaka to, you know, have become this unbelievable progressive passer. But what you can do is, is just edge it forward, move up three yards, play it, you know, and, and maybe it's a sideways pass, but it's a sideways and slightly forward, move up, push up, squeeze the, um, the toothpaste tube as, as uh, Paul on the um, Arsenal Vision podcast talks about. You just squeeze it up, but it feels like we just sit there and play this U-shaped football that just seems so ineffective. And I understand they're looking for passing options, but someone's got to try something at some point, and we waste so much time. Yeah, and, and it's, it's just it, not quick enough. It just enough. feels indicative it's, of the quality like, of the player, and it's not quick it, enough. Yeah, it, it's 
Because I think that Xhaka could work fine functionally in this midfield going... I, I, I think that there are a lot more issues within this squad than Granit Xhaka right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that if... Uh, and I, I have been Xhaka's biggest criticiser or... Uh, what, what's the word? Critic. Critic. Fuck. Um, biggest critic at a lot of points. Um, but there are a lot more issues within this team that if we kept him for another season, that wouldn't be the end of the world. Do you know what I mean? As in like, if we kept him Especially as an option... Especially alongside party. They, they sit well with yeah, each other. Yeah, I, I don't think he should be a starting option. But if we kept him as an option, I don't think that would be that bad. But the issue is, is time on the ball. The the taking a third or fourth touch kills the move because by the time that he's done that, they have resettled into that back five and then you're breaking down a back five rather than a back three. And there are just, there are lots of players that, that do dwindle on the ball too much. Louise, Sabayos, Bellerin, Xhaka, all four of those players take too much time to either figure out what they're going to do or even they've figured it out. They've just not fucking done it yet. And it just kills us. And we need, and if it's an instructional thing, that is on Mikel because I'm a bit bored of this kind of cross the ball and inshallah, pray that it happens vibe that was going on last night. Um, And it just... We need, we need more sackers in the sense that they're driving, they're being quick about it, they're taking a few touches and then laying it off and trying to make a run and achieve things. And a couple of times I've seen in the last few games, uh, Aubameyang, Pepe, Saka make runs. And because Xhaka or Ceballos or wh- whoever has got the ball dwindles on it too long, they go into offside positions and then they're like, well, what's the fucking point? Like, I'm here now. I can't like now I've got to track back. My run has been tracked and and the moves the moves dead. We might as well fucking lump it back to Leno and yeah. build up again. Mm. But I do, I think I think you're right about the touches thing, you know, like I think the point the point of build up, right? The whole point of build up is to start the attacking phase. That's what that is. So it's not about and this is it's what stresses me out and I, again <laughs> me offering tactical advice to Mikel Arteta, but like you know, it, it ultimately the point of that thing is okay. You're looking for the right decision to be made, but in the mean, or the right, you know, the right space to be to be um, created in the midfield, right? You want your maybe your atta- you're attacking three to to drop slightly deeper to create angles, to create triangles, all those sorts of things to help out. You want your midfield two to be dropping back in and and you know maybe progressing if they can or you know whatever that you know if they're if they're better with their back to goal and laying it off whatever they're better at doing work out that thing but the main principle of build-up is it has to be quick to create those spaces otherwise those spaces will not come they will just not come Benfica will sit there and they'll move really slowly from side to side as we play it out to Bellerin Bellerin there's no space because he hasn't got the ball quick enough so he 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 slows it down he slows it back to David Luiz it becomes this slow slow thing and the problem that it is well, the problem that becomes is because we're not moving it quick enough, the spaces aren't coming, people aren't dropping to create those angles, or when they do drop, there's no one ahead of them, so they have to play it back anyway. The What what becomes of it is we waste 10, 15 minutes in every game just knocking it around the back. And it's like, guys, ultimately, 
just knock a long ball. If that's what you're going to do, knock a long ball, get, give it to Benfica, let them come 50, 10, 15 yards further forward, and then there's some spaces to exploit. It's literally pointless. It, literally pointless. And I think it's the, it's the lack of urgency and the lack of engagement that I feel. And I think, you know, I, I also didn't mention Saka, um, uh, Sabayos, sorry. Uh, Saka. Um, Xhaka, Sabayos, Louise, Bellerin. You're just looking at them and you're like, these are the guys that are meant to build up our attack to create the, the structure for those attacking players to be free. They are not good enough, but that's, you know, that's, we, that's, that's a squad. We, we need like that. That's, I know. And this is like a squad building conversation where you then go, okay, well, we know, we know we need to improve all of these people. If David Louise gets another contract, it's the same mistakes happening again and again and again. If if we don't, and it's, it's moments like, and I think urgency, like you say, is a really, really important thing. William is another player who lacks urgency because I tweeted this out when it happened. I'm seeing Saka get the ball and break into the box and then have to take a weak footed shot because William is strolling in at the back post. He's, he's, and and we're, we're, we're going out at this point. Like, there was just not, it doesn't matter enough to a lot of these players. And they can speak a, a big game all of they want, but like it, ma- it, and you can see that it doesn't matter enough in the way that they celebrate. You can see that it matters to born winners like Kierantini, like Erdegaard, who, you know, signed for one of the biggest clubs when he was like 16 years old, that, that, they, that they have killer instinct. Erdegaard drops to the floor and flails his arms in the air with like sheer relief and joy when Aubameyang scores that goal. For a club he's been Williams, at for a month. Exactly. Williams just like... Great. Cool. <laughs> oh no, I've got to play more football. Let's say... Like, yeah. it's just... <laughs> it's, it, it, yeah. It, no, it, I think urgency is key and... But, but you know, you know, there was... Okay, you know, sort of in game state though... I understand maybe, okay, it's a case of kind of holding tight and Fika need to score. We don't need to make any silly silly mistakes. And I do I do understand that. But equally, again, I think that is indicative of a, of a team that lack a bit of mentality because it's like, we should know that we can we could, we could go out there. We are better than Benfica. I don't think Benfica are as bad as everyone thinks they are, but we are better and have more attacking talent and more, and to be honest, more defensive talent than Benfica and we're a better team we, we were on top there's the probably whole time two, there's probably two players in our starting lineup that are good enough to be in our starting lineup yeah so we should go out there and go guys it's 1-1 if they get one goal we need to score two so fucking let's go out there and absolutely put this game to bed in the first half an hour instead we're knocking it about going come you know come to us and that's not that's not right and it and it put us in trouble and on another night we would have we would have paid for it especially especially when we have players who are not so likely to make a mistake, but we know that they have before. This is not the first time Sabios has dropped to like a two out of 10, made an error. And obviously I don't think he's ever made a glaring error that's led to a goal like this, but we've seen David Luiz make glaring errors like this. We've seen Xhaka make glaring errors. We've seen Bellerin make glaring errors. Like one thing that frustrates me, and I think this is more of a conversation about Arteta, is that we are so poor um, defensively at the moment when it comes to we give goals away so cheaply. We should be trying to act like we're Liverpool when Klopp first took over. We'll score six, but concede five. 
They knew their defence was not good enough. So they went, okay, we've got the attacking talent to try and put every single team to the sword. We're going to lose games because of this. But at the end of the day, that's better than relying on a backline that just isn't good enough. And we're not doing that. We're trying we're trying to play like Man City without having the quality of Man City in that back line. We're trying to play like we've got Ruben Diaz and John Stones as our centre-backs and Jao Cancelo as our right-back. And we don't have those players. So in those moments where you are asking your centre-backs or your right-back to clear up, ours just, other than I, I think Gabriel had a very poor night last night, which again, he's getting back to playing football. We've got to remember, it's only what, his third, fourth game back and he's been out of the side and in the side. It's been a difficult time. He's 22. Exactly. But Ruben Diaz is 23. Like, I think age as much is... Quality is quality. And I do think that Gabriel has the quality. Ruben Diaz obviously hasn't had coronavirus and like he won two player of the month awards in a row for us. Like he is a quality centre-back. I just think that it does just get to a point where, and this was the 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 uh, the point that I made, I think, in the last episode, that I'm seeing pragmatic managers do better with a squad by being pragmatic. I want Arteta to be a bit more pragmatic in the sense of going, our defence is shit, so what we're going to try and do is obliterate teams. We have a goal scorer who scored 13 goals in his first 10 games at the club. Like, he beat somebody uh, in Robert Lewandowski who should have won the Ballon d'Or this year if it wasn't cancelled to a golden boot in Germany. Like, he scored 22 goals two seasons in a row in the Premier League. Like, he is brilliant at getting opportunities. Let's just focus on throwing the ball at him and giving him as many opportunities as we can. And if we score three and they score four, fuck it, shit happens. But it's better than us conceding two for the sake of conceding two because our players aren't good enough. I feel like I'm about to go for a team talk. Come on, boys. Come on. Are you pepping yeah. me up today, Brad? Is it because you're about to go for a run? Um, oh, mate, I'm, I'm feeling it. I've had two coffees. Oh, oh go on. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I have nothing more to add to that. Um, yeah, so... I've got of- an interesting little stat for you away from the game, though. Um, w- were we on the game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, we'll do it later then. We'll do it later then. We'll get we'll get through the game. We'll first. This could be this could be a news and views vibe. Tangent FC. Um, so Mate, I thought, I'm just pure tangents today. Sorry. He loves it. He loves it. More more coffee. More tangents. Um, <laughs> <coughs> um, I thought Alba was running the channels fairly well. He was holding, you know, and playing on like the shoulder of the last man. Um, he looked a lot more central. He was he was drifting out. It wasn't drifting out wide as much. I think that's because Smith Rowe and Odegaard were kind of kind of doing that job. Um, we started to get some joy in the right half space with um Saka and and Odegaard. There was a couple of good chances, and then the goal came. And I mean, what a reverse pass from Bakayo Saka! I mean, just ludicrous. I mean, he's just he 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 he's the best football player at our club right world, now in the world. <laughs> Uh, Bakayo Saka has nine goal involvements in his last 12 starts in all competitions five goals and four assists I mean he's just he's literally elite levels like this, and yeah he, he's yeah. just so this, ahead of us we this is why we need to do some severe investment because yeah. the level that he is versus the level that the rest of the squad is is just yeah he miles a, a 19 year old pulled us through a fucking European 
European competition. <sighs> Tragic. Um, yeah. Um, and I think after the goal, we saw a bit more shape and confidence. Um, some of Erdegaard's passing just absolutely made me purr, Brad. It was gorgeous. Um, this is what, like, he's so, again, he's another one that he's been at the club a month and he's outshining people that have been here three years. Like, he's yeah, so good. It's, it's tragic. Um, I think we saw what kind an upgrade of, on Urzel as well, I have to say. Yeah. What, just in terms of defensive contribution. As like, and, an, and as a, as like the biggest and... Urzel fan, like, we, I, 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 like, he dropped off in the last few years and it's no, you know, we're seeing it in Turkey at the moment. He's start, he's played like six or seven games and hasn't rec- uh, recorded an assist and all of these things. And I know, I don't know if Erdegaard has an assist yet, but you're seeing that having younger, fresher legs with that killer instinct and with that range of passing that it's mm. just... And with that mentality. And with a uh, better defensive acumen as well, like... Mm. Oh, what an upgrade. Yeah, for sure. I, I beg, I fucking pray that we keep this lad. Zinedine, yeah. don't lose your job. Please, please, Zinedine, keep your job. Just please. <laughs> Do you know him? Zinedine. Hey, mate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, give him a ring. Um, so I'm sure someone else on Twitter. The Algerian Twitter will, mad lad. Someone on Twitter will uh, be able to get Zinedine's uh, WhatsApp number, I'm sure. So we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do. Probably um, fucking hell. Probably. Um... Then I think we saw a perfect encapsulation of Danny Ceballos. Um, an absolutely gorgeous threaded ball for Bukayo Saka, who was just offside. I mean, stunning. The best of the best of Ceballos. Then we see the worst of Ceballos in two. Um, well, there was the incident later. Lazy but I think there was there was there was, there was well, it was the it was the tackle. He was too square. He dropped a bit too deep. Yeah. He was sitting too deep on his on his on his centre backs, which which caused us problems later. Let's before we get to that later. Um, it just it, I I just thought it was perfect. Sabios. It was it was everything I've always said about him. Like perfect, gorgeous threaded ball goes back the other end. Too square gives the free kick away, and it's an unbelievable free kick. Let's not take anything away from it. Um, oh it yeah, Rafa, Rafa Silva. Nothing you can do about that. And what was frustrating is... No, no, no. Goncalves. Goncalves. Rafa Silva was the one that took it around Leno. Was he? Yeah, it was. Con- Cupido yeah. Goncalves. Great name. Um, yeah, the it was just perfect. Perfect survival. And, you know, I think what frustrated me at that point, heading into half time was two set pieces. They're, they're not better than us. They're not be- And they're not a terrible side, but they're not better than us. And that's what felt frustrating is, you know, we were down to two set pieces and it just, it was just like, oh, for God's sake. Um, Headed at half time. Um, and I think Benfica were just happy to see the game out, to be honest. I imagine their team talk was right, lads, <laughs> 10 yards further back. Um, and we struggled. We really struggled to get breaking down that low block. They had a few little sort of, um, what would it be, kind of, you know, moments of possession. There were some stressful moments in like the 70th and 80th minutes where they had the ball in our half and were just knocking it around and it felt like no no pressure and no angles and nothing. Um, and, it, and it was stressful. But uh, yeah, there was no running in behind, basically. Um, and there was, there was some strange kind of moments in that second half um, with just no running and no movement. I wonder whether it's... Um, a, I was, I was sort of shouting at my laptop screen, going "Bellerin, run!" Um, and I wonder whether it was a moment for Pepe. Um, but then, uh, and uh, I think Özil found uh, Alba for the offside goal as well. Özil, um, I just called him Özil. Fucking hell, that's a Freudian slip, isn't it? Um, yeah, <laughs> I miss you, Mesut. Um Yeah, 
well, you know, Gone, what's, never what, forgotten. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is poorly is when we were trying to play it behind in behind, which is where the only spaces were when Benfica started committing players forward. Mm. I think we found it hard to break that low block. So I thought our best chance was was that sort of stuff, and we saw it with the Alba offside. Um, but yeah, I just thought we were slightly dodgy in that second half, um, the opening, which is unlike us because we're normally pretty good after the break. Um, and it was kind of summed up by that Sabah. I, I think moment. it was nerves, isn't it? Well, summed up by that Sabah. I think it was nerves, isn't it? Because by that point, yeah, and that by that point, we the biggest issue was we we needed to not let them get a goal. Pure, like even at, even if if we didn't score, the most important thing was to make sure that they didn't because we had the away goal, and this was our home fixture. But as soon as they scored that, we knew that if they scored another. Two goals is what we need to even just go through. Like, we, we as soon as they scored that second, we needed to... It was never we could coast through on away goals. We just had to beat them outright. We couldn't draw the game and it couldn't go to extra time and penalties. It was that we just had to beat them. And I think that's where the shakiness in that second 45, especially at the beginning, came from. Because we were so scared of... And I do think that there's there was a I don't know why that happened between I don't know whether it was just poor communication, but that's like that's just horrific. Like it just makes I I don't know if it's that none of them have said that Rafa Silva is next to him. There's no like man on shout, there's none of this. Has Leno called for it? I don't know. Because I wasn't there and I couldn't fucking hear just from watching it. You weren't playing? What? (laughs) Brad, you're very popular. Your phone keeps going off. I know. Like, it's just... Is it Zinedine? Do not disturb as well. Stop texting me. Is it Zinedine, Zinedine, mate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 25 mil for Odegaard. Get on it, lads. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. Uh, We we, we joke, we joke. Um, But yeah, like... Are you joking? It's It's not Zinedine Zidane. Oh, right. No, okay. it's I, not I was, Zinedine Zidane. It's I was not. convinced that it was. I'm, right, I'm, okay. Listeners, I'm sorry if you were confused. Um, <laughs> where the fuck? <laughs> whether it was a mistake. Well, fuck it, whatever, shut up. It was, it was shit, what, is what it was. It was It was, it it was, was fucking shit. shit. It was it like, was, what are you doing? Ultimately, you know, I think he's dropped. I think he had been dropping. If we sign this man anyway, as well. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, he's an all right squad player, but again, we don't need squad players. Fuck it, we've had that we've conversation. We've got many... too many all right squad we've players. Had, we've had that conversation a million times. Point is, Ceballos just had a fucking mare. And it's, it, 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 as I say, classic Ceballos. And ultimately, he was dropping too deep. Someone should have called for it. Gabriel was out of position. Uh, and um, I don't know, we committed too many men for. I don't know. Who, who knows? Who cares? Like, it just, it was an awful, awful mistake. And I think sometimes we look at it and go, you know, is it because Sabios is this? It's a mistake. People make mistakes, but that is Sabios. That's what he does. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so, and- what was your, I'd, I'd love to know what your opinion on, um, I, I personally, and this is the, the dirty side of the game in me, I think Leno should have taken him out. On the at the um, yeah. on the edge of the box, I yeah, really maybe. do. Maybe take the red then... card, build with ten, build with ten, bring on Matt Ryan. Like I just think that, especially at the point of the game that we were in, where if they scored another goal, we needed two. If it was their first goal and it was to draw the game one-one, I, I'd be like, fair enough. We've got more of a chance winning the game going to extra time and penalties with eleven men. 
But at that point, that goal pretty much in 99% of scenarios sends us out. Part of me just thinks, why the fuck didn't Leno just take him out on the edge of the box? They could have a free kick. He gets sent off. Yeah, it's shit, but it's better than the situation of almost guaranteeing ourselves, like, exiting the com- ourselves exiting the competition. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure how, how much Leno knew about it before it happened, to be honest. Um, and well, he, also he think, chases you know, we- him down and there is a moment where I'm seeing like where they come pretty close and part of me just went just body check him just knock him off the ball just don't let him yeah, get up and score body I, I check him know. let Gabriel clear it's a, re- it, it's a red card but like that's the kind of cynical shit that like for example in the um, I think it was the, the Copa del Rey like the Spanish FA Cup last season it's Madrid versus Atletico Madrid. And in the last minute, um, Atletico threw on goal and Valverde sides him down, just takes him down. The game goes, I don't know if it goes to extra time and penalty, but Madrid end up winning the game with a man less because they made the decision not to let them score. They just went, take him out. It's better yeah. to build with 10 men and try and score than to automatically be down with 11 against the team that would just sit in a low block. But I mean, we had half an hour left at that point. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think... I don't know. I, th- I think it probably came yeah, to like half an hour too, to score two goals when we when we when we've scored two goals in the last fifteen minutes. There is an opportunity though. Like I've seen it. Like there is an opportunity for him to just body check him off the ball. It's there. It's a because he takes his arms out of the way. It's a decision at that point that once he's been rounded to let him score, which is fine if you wanted. Like it's just I think my kind of mentality and like the slight dirtiness in what would probably be me playing football, <laughs> I would just take him out because I'm just going, well, do you know what? I'll take the red card. Matt Ryan's decent. We'll play with 10. And it's better to play with 10 needing one goal than to play with 11 needing two. <sighs> Agree to disagree. I just, I, I, I would always prefer 11 men on the pitch, to be honest. And I think but, in those, okay, in, with course, those, with those, we go out, with those mistakes, let's not, let's not, because they would have got a penalty or something, they probably would have scored. So like, let's not let's no not free kick. The issue. Free kick, and then they well they've already scored a free kick. I don't know. I just I, I think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a piece of string. Yeah, question. but they're not like I I, I know it's it, of course it is, and it's a it's I ju- I just think it's an interesting discussion for the two of us to have because like, and it, I guess it comes down to like mentalities and like what you would prefer and all of this kind of shit. But what you're what you're saying is I've got a weak mentality because I wouldn't scythe down him. No, oh God, no, God, no. I think it's probably it's probably me that's got the weak mentality and not believing in my team enough. But um, yeah, this just reveals your faith in Arsenal's goal scoring. Part of me just goes, you know, at that point we were so unlikely to score two fucking goals. Letting, it, letting them have a goal yeah. almost for me guaranteed us going out. So I just... Yeah, I- yeah, Part maybe I, I just, just think wanted it, I just to think it, just like fucking body I, check him off the ball. I just think it happened too quickly. But I mean, I mean, regardless, like I was, I'm glad yeah. Bought, oh God, I'm I'm glad we bought um Sabios off because I, I just thought to be honest, it'll make him more of a headless chicken. Like he, he's already a bit of a headless chicken. Yeah, he'll he'll be trying to make up for his mistakes, so he'll just yeah. I just mm-hmm. I, was, I was to be honest, I was glad he, glad he came off. Um, bought William and Party on. I think Party brought a bit more control to the game as he always does. Um, we've kind of discussed the William thing and then he comes on and gets the assist and becomes, uh, goes down in Arsenal folklore. It's a great, it's a great goal from Tierney. Great little take. 
Um, I think Tim Stillman tweeted something like, Arteta will be fuming there that Tierney hasn't tried a speculative cross, which I think is perfect because it's so true. Uh, but I think, yeah, Tierney, you know, is, is we've talked about before, future Arsenal material, uh, future Arsenal captain material. It's a great finish. Uh, and you oh, see he, his, sh- he, he you should see be reaction. captain. Yeah, should already be captain, but you see his reaction. And then we just became stick it in the mixer FC. I mean, it was just constantly like, it was just like cross after cross after cross after cross. Cross and, and inshallah. I've, I've said yeah. this, my friend. Which cross is strange and inshallah. because like, we've just scored a goal from a incisive <laughs> cutback, basically. Not really a cutback, you know, William passing to him. But, you know, we've scored a goal from essentially a cutback and a, and a shot. And we were taking no shots. And Benfica were doing well, in fairness, but yeah. Um, and then the goal came. Um, I my, <laughs> my stream broke. So I... Uh, I, I I missed the crucial moment, so I got off. I I I just saw uh, what's his name, not Chris Wheatley, um, Charles Watts tweet Alba, and I just punched the air while my stream was off. It was such a sad moment, you know, because you want You want to watch the winner. You want to like you know see the winner of your European competition. It was unreal. It was fucking unreal. Yeah. Um, and I think you know it just comes down to Arteta relying on experience in the big moments again. You know, bringing on Lacazette and bringing mm. on. Willian. Um I think it was a slightly inexperienced side and, and maybe you know and maybe a slightly fatigued side as well. Um but yeah. Um so what's your one down one up? Come on then. Uh one down one up. Sham <laughs> on then. Um Ooh. My one down is Lacazette's boots. What's he doing? What on He's got fucking earth minions on his boots. They? What on that's earth? On, that's that's that, what, what on a earth? fully grown man wearing minion boots? Oh. That's my down as well. Does he? Does he? <laughs> the thing is, is does he have kids? Because if he has kids, you could be like, oh, fair enough, he might have done it for his kids. But if he doesn't, like, what's Brad, he doing? Brad, can we just say let's let's retire the up for this week? Let's both have our downs as Lacazette's boots. Tragic. Yeah, Tragic. and I think that's the, it. That's uh, the we've got to give the up to Bukayo Saka. No, there's no up. It's no, in in respect in respect of how bad the boots are. <laughs> Anything else on the game, Brad? Christ. Um, why are we playing with two number tens? Yeah, that's an interesting discussion. Um, it's almost like we it's almost like we haven't played with a number ten for so long that we're now playing with two. <laughs> yeah, it, it. I feel like they can't, they kind of cancel each other out. They kind of occupy each other's spaces a little bit. I feel like they're very quite like similar players. I don't think Smithrow works as well out on the left. He was asked about it, um, Arteta, in a, in, a, in, a, in a pre-match press conference for BT, I think it was. And he said, oh, you know, Smithrow kind of occupies those spaces out on the left anyway, so it's not really much of a change. And I was like, yeah. But then the point is, is if you're drifting out to the left to cut back inside, that's a tactic. Whereas if you're forced out to the left, that's not a tactic. That's a choice. That's a that's a choice that you've made. Yeah. That will force someone outside. Then they can't then make the decisions and have the freedom to make Cut those third in. man. Yeah, to make those mm. third man runs and to to, to kind of, and and Smithrow I think does really well in shutting down passing lanes, and does really well in shutting, in in actually the defensive side of the game. I think Smithrow is a better kind of all round attacking midfielder. But in a game like this, we're trying to break down a low block. I don't think Smithrow is your guy. Um, no. So it felt it felt slightly slightly odd. He's he's kind of I see. Yeah, I, think I, I wonder whether as Smithrow develops, he becomes a bit more of a central midfielder. I don't know. No, I think I I see his future as a cam personally because I think like it's like you say he's got that ability to drift out wide, cut back in. He won't 
He's not going to be the kind of like central attacking midfielder that will play. Maybe on your point, he could be like an attacking eight, but like he's never going to be the kind of person that like plays like those killer three balls, like your Erdegaards, but he will just offer something different. He's a cute technical little passer who will get into great spaces who instead of, yeah. Oh, oh, um, who will make simple balls, but because of his ability to run and to get into those spaces, he doesn't need to kind of be threading the eye of a needle, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, I think obviously uh, the conversation is to be had that maybe if we start Pepe or maybe if we start Martinelli on that left, they drop, like you say, another 10, 15 yards back. And that may have been why we started with two tens. I just think it, it does cancel a lot of our play out like you and it just it I just don't understand it <laughs> because yeah. then we're left with literally Kieran Tierney on that left hand side and nothing else yeah um yeah. and I, I mean that's still pretty good Kieran Tierney's still fucking brilliant but I think from now yeah. on moving forward it should either be Erdegaard or Smithrow in that kind of a central role yeah and then or playing with two Pepe, attacking eights, Martinelli, Willian on the left. But yeah, I don't think we've yeah. got the deep... Like, we don't have a defensive midfielder to play with an attacking eight. Because Party, as good as he is, is not a sitting defensive midfielder. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I, I'll i be interesting to see how he works it. I don't know. Um, yeah, I really don't know. Really don't know. Interesting to see how they kind of, they kind of play off each other. Because I don't think they can play with each other. No. Uh, anything else on the game, Brad? No, 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 that's it. That's it. We'll see you after this. News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Brad's back. He threw his phone in anger at being so popular. Getting too many texts. You said you got a little section my, for us. From Come my on. mate Zinedine. Uh, it's more of just um, an interesting discussion point. Uh, I've stolen this from David Wall. Uh, Arsenal in the league. The last 100 games under Wenger, we got 183 points with a positive 73 goal difference. The 101 games in the league since Wenger left, we've got 160 points and we have a positive 35 goal difference. So we're 23 points worse off and we're 38 goals worse off. Uh, what do you think? Like, uh, just as like an interesting stat point of view, like I, I don't think I think is it like the host? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like an interesting like it's an interesting conversation because I think a lot of it revolves around Emery and Emery's time in the club and the stuttering start under Arteta. But I think it's I think hopefully this time period will have vindicated Arsene Wenger's tenure for a lot of Arsenal fans and will have kind of shown people how wrong they were to hound the guy out of the club. Um, I like that we've done this at the 59 minute mark, which is <laughs> just the perfect time to have. Was Arsene Wenger good for Arsenal? Um, I, I think it's... Uh, my short answer, because we could do a whole podcast on this. 100%. My short answer is... Arsene left us in a position 
similar to Ferguson in that, okay, Ferguson had just won the league, but that squad needed a lot of attention for a manager who isn't Ferguson. So for someone like Arsene Wenger, you know, he left us in a position where we were a team... In the decline. Regressing tactically, or certainly had not had not caught up tactically to the to to kind of current methods and what was going on. We were a team that lacked quality, lacked um intensity, we were a team that lacked leaders, we were a team that lacked young players. You know, you think of our current, you know, you look at Saka, you look at Martinelli, you look at Smith Rowe, you, you know, they hadn't come through at that point. And we were a team that were in a bit of a decline, to be honest. And I think it's like it's like the economy. If you if you inherit a declining economy, you have to make some changes. I mean, I, I'm talking about the economy as if I know anything about it. But the point is, if if you've got a curve that's going down like that, for the benefit of our listeners, I'm I'm doing a downward spiral. If you've got an economy that's doing that, and you're taking measures, that takes a while to kind of build back up again. It just takes a second to kind of turn. It's like if you're turning a ship. I'll just keep doing analogies, shall I? If you're turning a ship that's going the wrong way, it's going to take you a while to turn around. I'm not saying we've turned the ship in the most efficient and 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 calm and best approach. I don't know what that would have been. I I I, I would only be guessing. I think what we've done is we we appointed a captain who turned the ship a bit, but to be honest, you know, he didn't get on with it, didn't get on with his crewmates and didn't really um didn't really have much leadership and and ultimately paid for it. And I think we've now got a captain who I think is turning the ship. I believe is is doing is doing so. But to be honest, I'm still below deck and I'm not quite sure. So, you know, I think I think in terms of the points totals, yes, that makes a lot of sense because as you're turning a ship, it's going in no direction. It's 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 on its own. It's it's turning. It's kind of it's it's on its own axis. That's actually that's really astute. That's really astute. <laughs> it, it ultimately we're in a position where we're changing things at the club you know into not only an executive structure but you know that think of the player the player tu- the squad turnover that's happened in the last in the last 18 months or you know even the last month think of the squad turnover that happened in January that would be like a two years of worth of Wenger to do that so you know we are we are turning this ship around we may end up heading off in the wrong direction that may happen but I think in terms of like the points totals and the numbers that you to come back to that I think it's not it's not to go it's very easy to say that it's notable and it's important and we should note it and it's it's a, it's something that we should absolutely see and I think all right it does slightly vindicate Wenger in his last you know tenure and it slightly goes okay maybe he wasn't as bad as we thought he was but I also believe that when you when you met when you it was time for him to move on it was time to go um as in, yeah. if you don't, yeah, if you don't mind me kind of no, just in, yeah. cutting across in in mentioning this, I it's not me saying that I think we should have kept Wenger. I just think that we got rid of him at the wrong time. We should have either have moved him on a few years earlier, uh, kind of when Klopp and Pep were available. Uh, not saying that we would have gotten any of those either of those managers, but kind of in that era of kind of turnover within the Premier League. Or we should have kept him for another season. I don't. I think that we made we we made the right decision at the wrong time, mm. which has left us in more of a decline than was necessary. Yeah. It. We turned the ship too late. 
obviously, I think it, you know, we, we turn the ship too late, but also too soon. Because Venga would have still offered us more, in my opinion, than Emery. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty. all of these things. You know, if Emery wins in Baku instead of losing 4-1 to Chelsea and gets us back into the Champions League, this whole kind of history and timeline of Arsenal could be so different. You know, Emery could still be our manager. We could have a completely different rejuvenated squad with more finances and all of these things. But... But we don't. <laughs> obviously, that didn't happen, so there's no point talking about it. Yeah, but we don't. So, fuck it. I just think that he obviously had aged out and it was time to move him on. Just from reading that, I think that there was better decisions to be made about yes. how we moved on that and how we transitioned how, yeah. to a new manager. Because I think we didn't learn from the mistake of Ferguson in that what they should have done is brought somebody in probably the year that Fergie won the title, just before he retired, to understudy Fergie and to learn the way that he worked, to get the advice and then to take over, understanding that there is definitely always going to be a drop-off when you go from such a legendary manager to somebody less equipped to do the job. We should have learned from that mistake and done that ourselves. I'm not saying that it should have been Emery. I'm not saying that it should have been Arteta. I'm saying that we should have brought whoever we wanted to take over in for that final year of Wenger's contract, or even for the final two years, as in, you know, his final season, because he did have another, he was signed on to do one more season, to learn under Wenger and to take the reins rather than doing what I think in football Works in the short term if you plough a hell of a lot of money into it. You're seeing, you know, Chelsea have success with hiring and firing managers, but that's because they sink so much money into their club that they can rebuild the squad for all new managers that come in, pretty much. We should have maybe been smarter about how we handled the decision, but obviously it's done now. I just thought it was an interesting topic to chat about. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I think... <clears throat> the question now is are we on the Titanic or are we um are we on the QE2? That's the big question. Uh which I'll leave you with, Brad. Um it's been a great, great little podcast, if we don't say so ourselves. We yeah. did have a question from Nathan Baroda. Cool. Nathan got back in touch. Oh, should we get, should go on? Go on. Let's let's no, no, do that. Quick. No, no, let's it's get, a really it's, it it's it's a really good one. I don't wanna I don't wanna rush it. It's a really Is it a long question. one? It's a long question. We do it next. It's... We'll do that. We'll we we will favorite it, and next episode we're we're coming for you, Nathan. <laughs> Not in like a killer way. <laughs> no, Brad and I, no. Brad and I have. We're, we're coming to give you. you the answers you need. <laughs> the answer... We're going to murder you. Yeah, Nathan <laughs> lies awake. Nathan lies awake at night and goes, "I wonder what Alex and Brad think of this." <laughs> I mean, don't we all? Charming. Um, listen, Brad. <sighs> a pleasure as always. As always. Any plans for the rest of the day? Going to go on a run. Going to hate my life for the next 15 minutes, but got to get it done. You love to see it. I have a feedback request. Oh, not a request. I have a request on my... Um, I work on a website called Fiverr for voiceovers. And I have a request from Musk Animations. So I've got to go work for Elon Musk. Um, just saying. Um, and uh, I'll see you fucking losers. If you, don't, if you don't get another podcast anytime soon, it's because I've gone to work for Tesla. That's why. <laughs> Um, all right. Pleasure as always, Brad. Oh, also, 
because we forgot this last week. Do you know what I think? When you start a new section on a podcast, what you should do is immediately forget about it the week after. That that always helps to kind of get it, you know, rolling yeah. straight away. The really question does. was, really does. Uh, we're doing the uh, Arsenal trivia every week. The question was, to close out the show, who is Arsenal's medical director? Bradley, you know it straight away. Yeah. Go on. As in, do you want me to t- say the answer? Absolutely. Go on. Have you got the answer? Gary O'Driscoll, my friends. It is Gary O'Driscoll. Very well done if you got that right. The next question is, which I should have actually got you to do, Brad, if, if we're going to w- work this properly, which frankly, uh, it's a bit of a disaster thus far. But I want to continue with it because I love a bit of <laughs> trivia. <laughs> when did Stan Kroenke take majority ownership of Arsenal? Not when did Stan Kroenke buy his first shares in Arsenal? What year, and if you can do it, what month? Did Stan Kroenke take majority ownership of Arsenal? Just keep that in your head. Have a think about it. Is the, just just episode... to clarify the question. Go on. Is that 100% ownership or just a majority ownership? That is majority ownership of Arsenal. As in like, is, is it when he, so when he owned like 65% when he, before when he owned um, Usmanov sold? More than anyone else. Majority ownership. Okay. Okay. So have a think about it before next episode. I look forward to your answer, Brad. Um, and then we need I you to no ask some questions because because this this fucking trivia thing is is it's got off to a shaky start. Let's say that. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> pleasure as always. Brad's going to be uploading some stuff to TikTok soon. Yeah, get That'll on the good. TikTok vibes. This is like the longest end to an episode ever. Let's end it. Goodbye. It really is. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See you, mate. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.